Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, we're back, ready to talk a little sports this week. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Are you excited? About? Everything. Depends on what you're talking about. We, you've got basketball going on. Yes. The Sixers last night. The yes. Flyers won. No. This is exciting times. Come if on. Want, if you want me to roll Come on, Mr. Optimism. Show up not. early in the show, Mr. No, Optimism. No, I'll have to save it for the end. Okay, so yeah. we'll get to the Flyers in a little bit. Uh-huh. We'll recap Eagles in London last week. They're on a bye this week. Made a big trade. We'll get to that. Uh, we will talk MLB trade season or free agency that opens up this weekend. Jeff, so much to get to on the show. But before we start... We did want to do a, a quick segment we have in studio with us, uh, former NFL player and board member for the NFL Alumni Association, Dan Esposito, and John Dukoff, executive director of the Covenant House of Pennsylvania. Uh, we brought him in studio today because um, we wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, we always talk on the show about the impact that sports has on community and society. And here you guys have an event coming up uh, for Covenant House. Uh, John, you're with Covenant House in Pennsylvania, and you have the National Sleepout coming out. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about the organization itself and the event, and then we'll get into the role that sports has in some of what you guys do. Absolutely, and thanks, Jason and Jeff, for the opportunity to be here today. Really, really appreciate it. Covenant House is an agency that serves runaway, homeless, and trafficked youth. These are teenagers and adolescents, many of whom have been through more tragedy and trauma in their young lives than most of us will face in our entire lives, right? These are young people who have run away to escape abuse, neglect, violence, exploitation, uh, young people who have been pushed out because they identify as LGBTQ, young people who have been, who've grown up in the foster care system and aged out at 18 without a job, a high school diploma, or a place to live. And our work with these young people, these young people are homeless, but not because they don't have a home. They're homeless because they don't have a family. They don't have people who care about them in the world. And that's what Covenant House is, and that's what Covenant House does. We're about welcoming young people in, supporting them, caring about them, helping them, really um, building relationships with them so that we can help them transform their lives. And so where did the idea for the National Sleepout come from? This isn't the first year you guys are doing it. You'll be back out there again November 15th, and we'll get to the details in a second. But where did this start? So it started about seven years ago at our in, up in New York. I worked up there at the Covenant House, uh, our headquarters at the time, uh, and somebody had this crazy idea. Hey, you know what? Let's give people a glimpse of what it's like to be a, a young person, a teenager, a teenager experiencing homelessness. Let's sleep outside for one night so homeless youth don't have to. And so we did it in New York seven years ago. We pulled the event together on uh, eight weeks' notice and raised half a million dollars. Now we had some, there were some notable sports luminaries up there, but it was in New York, so I'm not going to name any names. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you know, we did have as our very first participant a gentleman named Scott O'Neill, who is right who who wasn't at the time, but is now of course you know CEO of the 76ers, Harris right. Blitzer. Um, so. From then, it's just grown. In fact, we've started doing it. So one time in New York, over the last seven or eight years, we've grown it to every one of our locations in the United States and Canada. Uh, and it has raised a total of $53 million to help runaway homeless and trafficked youth all over the Americas. How many locations do you have throughout the North America? Yeah, so we're in 31 cities in six countries in in North and Central America. We're in, we have a, two locations in Canada. We've got uh, four in four Latin American countries, and then the rest, if I could do math, I'd give you a real number, but the rest are all across the United States from New York down to Florida, over to California, all the way up to Anchorage, Alaska. And in Philadelphia, how long have you been operating here? We've been, we, we opened up in Philadelphia in 1999, 
And so in, in, in right here in the, in the city, we run the largest emergency shelter exclusively dedicated to serving homeless youth, homeless teenagers. We run a, uh, which is 76 beds. Um, we're full every night and we're turning young people away because we're full. We and run you, a, you don't just give them a place to sleep. You, right. I, I enjoyed coming to sort of visit and, and see what you do. Can you, can you talk about sort of the holistic approach you take to homelessness because the fact that they don't have a home is only part of their problem. That's exactly right. Yes, our, the young people, when they walk through our doors and say, I have nowhere else to go, they need a place to sleep, they need food, they need clothes, they need a place to shower. But more than that, they need people in their lives who care about them, right? We all know, those of us who are lucky and blessed as I was, that what we accomplish in our lives, we accomplish standing on the shoulders of people who care about us. And these kids, like I said, they're homeless not because they don't have a home. They're homeless because they don't have a family. And so what we are to them is, you know, our, our goal is to become that family, to care about these young people, to help them learn who they are, what they can accomplish and achieve really their goals. It's very much the core of our work. You know, we can talk about all the social work and all that stuff, but the core of our work is about building connections and relationships with young people so that we can help them transform their lives and overcome homelessness. And for our listeners who sort of aren't familiar with just how staggering it is, you know, 40% of homeless people in the United States are under the age of 18. Uh, 50% are teenagers who age out of the foster system and juvenile justice systems within six months. 46% of homeless kids are left home because of physical abuse, and 57% spend at least one day of every month without food. So when we talk about what you're raising awareness to, it is a, a face of, of your neighbor who you don't expect necessarily to be having challenges. Absolutely. This is, you know, one of the challenges we face is that youth homelessness is, is we say it's an invisible, it's an invisible crisis because young people, they're teenagers, right? They care deeply about how they're perceived. And what that means is they hide very much the fact that they're homeless. They don't want to be perceived as homeless. So very hard to tell. But I'll tell you this, the University of Chicago did a study a year ago. They found that one in 10 youth and young adults experienced homelessness. One in 10. Now that's staggering. In the city of Philadelphia, in that age group, there are about 170,000 young people. You're talking about as many as 17,000 young people just in Philadelphia alone experiencing homelessness every year. And staggering. the experience clearly shapes their lives. Now, oh. Dan, your involvement was, was exciting for me to see because Jeff and I talk regularly on this show about the good in sports, the, the social side of of sports where athletes and alumni can use the platform they have and teams to, and teams can ra yeah, raise absolutely. awareness to the issues and challenges that are out there. You talk about your involvement. You'll be sleeping out there this year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you expecting to experience? You know, you've, you've had all these experiences. You, you tried to play in the NFL. You, you were telling us about some of the injuries you had. Yeah. I don't know if you've experienced something like you're going to sleeping out. So overnight. it's interesting that you say that because I actually had a pretty rough childhood myself. So I uh, had a couple stepfathers who were alcoholics and abusive, um, you know, like life lifelong, um, uh, you know, 20 year Marines, you know, so some big guys. And so I had uh, at one point run away for a night. So I do have a little bit of an idea and I have some, I, I empathize with some of, the, you know, the feelings that these kids are going through. Um, and uh, so I don't completely, uh, it's not completely foreign to me, but at this point I'm 46. I live in a nice house in Conshohocken and, you know, I haven't slept outside and even <laughs> camped uh, probably since I was a kid. So 
Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a challenge. It's something that's going to be fun to do. But more than that, it's it's you know we're able to use the platform of the NFL alumni organization to do good, and uh, that's uh, you and know that's that's really what I'm talk a little bit about the goal of the NFL alumni association in the area. We we all watch our players when we see them on the field. Yeah. Um, you guys try and get them involved once they walk away from the gridiron a little bit. So it sometimes it's a challenge. Uh, the NFL alumni is a platform that helps uh, our we help our own and we help kids. That's basically our motto. Um, so we have a lot of programs for alumni, um, you know, health programs, um, mentorship programs, uh, uh, you know, business development programs, things like that. Um, but then we raise money. Most of the money that we raise go to uh, children's organizations, uh, you know, nonprofits. Ronald McDonald House. We sponsor a house, uh, a room there. Um, you know, uh, charities for autism. Um, the Covenant House is one that I've just picked up on as I was newly elected to the board this year. And the way that happened for me was um, I have uh, two, two children. I have a seven-year-old son and then I have a 10-month-old. But before the 10-month-old was even a glimpse in my eye, I was having a shower thought. And the shower thought was at one point I want to foster a child or even adopt a child. And I started going through the ages in my head, I was like, well, you know, babies always get adopted by somebody. That's, you know, non-starter for me because that's not the underdog. Um, and then I started working my way up two, three, four years old, five years old. And I got to 17 and I thought, what happens to a kid in foster care? They're in high school. 18 is coming around the corner. What happens to that kid? And not long after I saw Chris Moss, who's uh, with Camco Property Management, he's a friend of mine. He had posted on LinkedIn um, the sleep out. And I was like, that's interesting. I remember the Covenant House. I believe somebody spoke at one of our events from there. That's the organization I need to be involved in. And it's interesting because my last name in Italian basically means orphan. So there's a real just sort of um, serendipitous connection that I had to all of this. And um, you know, and meeting the kids and hearing the stories that John tells, it's there's no way you want to go at this less than 100%. And John, we'll talk more about the sleep out and how pe people can get involved in a second. But, you know, when I, when I came to visit, we talked sports with, with some of the, the guys who live there. There was a, a young man that, that I met who had tried out for the Bluecoats, was chasing his dream, that, that and I was inspired by that. Can you talk about the role that sports plays in the lives? I mean, we often talk about the impact on society and, and you have people in, in some of their toughest times and it, you were telling me you joke around with them about the jersey that they wear when they come in for food. Yeah, yeah absolutely, Jason. I mean, the sports is the universal language. And so, yeah, there can be, and, and really our work, as I said, is about building those, those positive relationships. And what's the way to do that when, you know, with a young man who's wearing a Yankees jersey who I don't know. Well, I'm going to make fun of him for wearing a Yankees jersey. Like, that's how that's going. I'm going to say, dude, we let you in here with that? And of course we let him in here. But um, so it, it is. It's, it's this universal language that it is incredible. It's just a great way to, to build those relationships and connect with young people around something that they care about and are interested in. So we're, you know, every day at lunch, we're talking, you know, we're talking a lot, lot of Sixers talk. You know, got to, you know. But we're talking. We do that here too. Don't yeah, we? That's right. <laughs> I feel like I knew I, I knew I was in the right place. Yep. We're uh, we um, we're talking Sixers. We're talking Eagles. We're, we're we're talking sports, and it's 
such a powerful way to to connect with young people and to really start to build those relationships. And honestly, there's tons of research on this. Those relationships, caring deep relationships with with an, an adult are what makes the difference long term for young people, particularly young people who have faced what our young people have faced. So it's 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 uh, it's such a critical a com- thing, a, a part of what we do. And you know, we joked we joked about the the play, with the player who who tried out for the team. Yeah. But can you talk about what it's like? You know, you go through these challenges, but yet you're still chasing your dream around right. sports. And and some of the people there, that was their dream, and Absolutely. and they were not deterred by the circumstances they had, they, they still saw that goal and we're gonna go and get it. Well, and that's what's one of the things that's the, so amazing about our young people. They are, they're still young, they're teenagers, they're figuring out who they are and who they wanna be, but having that dream and having that goal, it's the thing that gives them purpose and passion and energy and enthusiasm. It's it's the thing that drives them. And so, you know, that dream, what, you know, whether that dream is, I mean, I've talked to right, young people who, right, the young man who, uh, Jason, you met, who, who tried out for the blue coats. You know, a, a young man who swore to me that he was going to be he was going to play in the NFL. Now he was about five four, about a buck twenty. So I will be. Incredibly, he won't be an offensive line. Right, exactly. I but yeah. but I, and I will be even more impressed when he makes it because the other thing you got to learn about these kids is don't bet against them. Right, these kids. If you know, I always say if a young person can overcome, pull himself or herself out of homelessness as a teenager, that kid can do anything. Right, I mean that kid can do anything. So I played with Mark McMillan. That guy's probably bigger than Mark McMillan. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Be careful. Jeff makes height jokes on this show all the time. No, I know. So, uh, so let's let's get some plugs in real fast. Um, and Dan, let's give you the chance to give a plug. If people want to become an NFL ambassador and get an NFL alumni ambassador and get involved with your organization, yeah. let's give that. And then we'll have John give out the information for the sleep out. Yep. So um, the NFL alumni, we um, not only do we have alumni as our members, but we have associate memberships as well. And so an associate member gets most of all of the perks that, that we get as players. Um, and they get invited to special events and we're going to start having business networking events and things like that. Uh, you get a really cool shirt, a really cool sticker for your car. People look at your car all the time when you drive by with your NFL alumni so sticker. Will they get confused and think that I played in the NFL if I put a sticker on my shirt? They, Don't answer, uh, Jeff. They, <laughs> that, that was not a comment for Wait, you. Is this, is this before they see that, who you are or after? I said that that was not a comment for you to respond to, Jeff. Sorry. <laughs> they will more than likely think you must have bought your car from a player. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> I was smart. It's like the Seinfeld episode there with John Voight. Perception becomes reality, right. Dan. That's, that's yeah, my yeah. world right there. So, so you could, if you wanted to support our mission, which is basically supporting <coughs> supporting kids charities, you can go to nflalumni.org and click join us, and then it'll take you to a page where you can join the um, Philadelphia with, chapter. With the Phil, Phil, well, you'll just join, and then you'll basically get a Philadelphia area. In the guys. Philadelphia area, you'll, we know you're part of the Philadelphia chapter. See, and, and one, uh, to me, one of the great things about that is people think people don't see athletes outside of the limited number of times that they'll show you on TV with all the good that's being done. Mm-hmm. And that even after your career is is over as an athlete, that the NFL Alumni Association and other, other alumni associations are still doing good work. Yeah, right, it, sure. It, it's, it's amazing to me, the you know, we hear all the bad that athletes do, the limited number of people that are doing bad things, but we don't hear these stories. We don't hear that the NFL alumni 
people like you are working with the Covenant House on on very important things yeah. to our community. When you go into an NFL locker room, you know I was fortunate enough to have four contracts in my very short career. But once you're in an NFL locker room, I mean, you see things from crazy to just the greatest fathers. I mean, Eric Allen was on the phone with his kids and family between every single practice. Um, you know, there, and you look at that and you're like, wow, I didn't have that idea of what an NFL player was until you're actually in the locker room. Now, there were some crazy stories as well. Um, those mean, are the ones about you, right? No, we, flipped, to we flipped a Corvette <laughs> in camp once. so We, we will get that story <laughs> another day. Don't you worry. <laughs> Whose Corvette? Uh, it was a, a draft pick of a rookie that came into camp with me in, in Washington in 95. I won't. I do have a lot of great Dan. I just want to say allegedly. 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 Oh, no. So, I was in the car. No. Yeah. <laughs> As an attorney, I'm, I'm telling you, you might want to say hypothetically. Hypothetically, right. if that but, happens. But so the, the question is hypothetically, what does one have to do as a rookie to end up having your Corvette flipped? <laughs> Um, one, you have to be young, one, you have to be young and have a Corvette and the road has to be a little slick. Other than that, there was, Oh, I thought maybe you guys just like lifted it and turned it over. Oh no, 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 no. We were driving and the car got away from him and we were almost on the roof. Well, yeah. that, that would have not been good because then yeah. you wouldn't have been able to sleep out and raise awareness for what John's Correct. doing. So. Correct. Right. And John. so anyway, I mean, even though I had a really short career, when I had an opportunity to be on the board of the NFL alumni, I thought that this was a great opportunity for me to really put some good out there in the community. Well, I, I have enjoyed learning about it from you and, and John. So, John, tell us how if people want to sleep out, um, when the sleep out is, how they can get more information. And if they can't sleep out but they want to support homeless youth and the work that you guys are doing in the area, how can they find out more and get involved? Absolutely. So we have, as of today, we have 88 participants, brave participants who are going to sleep outside for one night. Now, the the sleep out event itself, there's an evening program. You'll meet our young people. You'll hear their stories that are amazing and inspirational and, and truly, truly compelling. Um, and then, you know, around 10, 30, 11 o'clock, our young people will head off to their safe, warm beds and our 88 participants will head outside with a cardboard box and a sleeping bag and literally sleep outside on the pavement. Now it's safe, it's in a gated courtyard, but it's outside, it's cold, it's uncomfortable. Um, it's gonna be wet this year, I it's think. It's gonna be wet this year, yeah. it might snow. I mean, we, we've seen temperatures in the 20s. Uh, it will be It will be rough, but it's it's a glimpse. It's a glimpse of what young people experiencing homelessness It's only a fraction face. of what other people are truly going Absolutely. through each day. It's a glimpse. I mean, it, it's, a, it, it's a glimpse at best. I've had people say, I slept out and in the middle of the night, I got up and I left my phone and my keys and my shoes and I ran inside to use the bathroom and I realized, oh my God, I couldn't, if I were truly homeless, I, you know, what, what, are, what are people who really are experiencing homeless mm-hmm. do, homelessness do? So it's November 15th. We've got 88 participants registered as of today. Uh, so we only need 12 more from your listeners, just 12 more, and then, we're, and then, we're, and then we'll hit our 100-participant target. Um, if, you wanna, if folks want to sleep out, we'd love to have you. The website is philadelphia.executivesleepout.org. Uh, and if you want to support the event, I'm going to give you another link. You're going to you're going to find the NFL alumni team that Dan is the captain of, and we're going to tweet out these links Perfect. as well. Afterwards. Perfect, because yep. this this one's got 17 hyphens in it. So uh, you <laughs> know, yeah, it's but the the you, you can search on the on that same website. You can search for NFL alumni or right. Dan Esposito, and you can make a gift to support his efforts. We've raised. Uh, our goal this year is to raise more than three hundred thousand dollars, and that is money that will go directly to 
feeding young people, providing them a safe place to live, and providing them with the kind of support and mentoring that helps them transform their lives. Yeah, I think it's also important to know that what the program, and, and this isn't just somewhere, a, a Band-Aid to give kids. There's actually a program that these kids go through where once they come in and then they, uh, you know, if, if they've graduated high school, they then they get a job. And once they start earning some money, there's an apartment community that the Covenant House has as well. Then you start paying rent into that apartment as, as, part of your, as part of the program. Once you've saved up enough money to then move out on your own, Covenant House gives them back all that rent money. And then they, they have a nice sort of foothold to get out into the real world. I mean, this is a real sort of divergent, you know, it's a, it's a point when a, a, a kid can become you know, is either going to be stealing your Amazon packages off your doorstep or they're going to be put out into the world with some skills. And that's what the Covenant House does. I mean, Covenant House really has a program. And it's not just here's a place to sleep. They have uh, doctors from CHOP that come. Yep. They have mental health advisors. There's a lot of um, programs within the Covenant House that, um, you know, we haven't talked about yet. And, and it I'll truly tell you, very, is an sorry. investment. It is. I, I mean, is. there's no difference between donating or, or investing in a stock and investing on this, only this ha seems to have more of a positive impact than buying a, a couple shares. Well, and it'll Apple continue yeah, to give absolutely. returns for decades to come decades. because yeah. you're, you're not, you're setting up lives. That's like exactly you, right. you're setting, you're, you're giving somebody an identity. And it was one of the things that I was so excited about when we walked around was to see the, the worth that the individuals that were there felt. Right. Because oftentimes when, when you're dealing with homelessness, it's, it's that disconnect that they have where they don't feel like they, they mean that much to someone anymore. And, and it seems like what you guys are able to do is kind of reconnect that and start to rebuild that trust that's been broken among them so that they can move forward and be productive for themselves. That's exactly right. I'll just tell you very quickly. A young man said to me about a week ago, I was standing by the front desk and he had come in. He was leaving us. leaving. Us. He had gone through the program that Dan mentioned, so he'd come in to get his savings. And he sort of started to walk out the door and he stopped and he turned back and he looked at me and he said, I just want to say thank you for everything the Covenant House has done for me. He said, when I came here, I had nothing. I had nothing. He said, now I'm leaving. I got a job. I got a place to live. I got money in the bank. He said, I have hopes and dreams. I'm about to finish school. He said, I'm about to break into the world and I can't be stopped and I won't be stopped. Well, and we, that's exactly what we want to see. Are you? We are so glad that we could bring you in to help raise awareness. We hope that our listeners can either join you out there or support your efforts. And uh, please keep us updated on, on as it goes forward. We appreciate everything that you guys are doing. And how, how many more people do you say you need? We need 12, 12. more. 12 more to get to 100. We've got need, 88 registered. You now right. need 11. Now you're talking. Oh, right. Now you you're go. talking. Okay. Yep. Love I'll, it. I want pictures. My family's not going to be happy with Love me the it. next day. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want yeah, and I hope you don't mind. You may not want to sleep near me because I do snore. So <laughs> I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I, I want pictures. Um, pictures that didn't happen, Jeff. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we have a, a an Instagram uh, as well, NFL Alumni Philadelphia. So I'll make sure that I get Jeff on the uh, some videos of him snoring. Oh, great. Great. Yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll be great. And then and then it, it gives us the opportunity after the sleep out on the 15th, we could talk about it again and, and the experience that Jeff had out there because right. there's nothing that explains it to you like going through it yourself. Yeah. And so we really appreciate what you guys are doing. Jeff, why don't we take a break a little bit early sure. and then we'll come back and we'll do a run through of the whole segment with all the sports. But I think it's a good place to stop for a sec. Thanks so, so much thanks for coming. Guys, in. Guys, Thank guys. you. Stick really with us. Really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Really appreciate it.
Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen here on 610 ESPN. Jeff, I'm excited that, that you're going to do that now. I, I really am. Um, I, I am too. I mean, I, I think that this is an important thing. I mean, we've talked before about um, my involvement with kkids.org, which is usually younger kids. And I think this goes continues to go towards youth development. And I think that it's important to invest. We seem to be spending less money in society on after-school programs and things like that. And I think if people go out and see the good that can be done and the problems with not having enough of these services, that they'll get more involved. Well, I uh, like I said, when I, I started talking to the NFL alumni about it and I started talking to John about it and approached you about having him on the show, um, I just I think it fits with what we try and do here, where we, where we really try and highlight everything. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk football and we'll get into college football now and the entertainment side of it. But how nice is it that we have a house and a TV to be able to watch it on? Yeah. And so that first segment was to try and raise awareness so that I, more people I, I can have homes and TVs. I think that Brett did traumatize him a little bit. But other do you? Than that, what well, did Brett do? Well, Brett's wearing his chief sweatshirt, which don't ask us Oh, that's why. right. So his, and, and, he broke his, his first, Dan broke his yeah, jaw. His first play of his NFL career, he broke his jaw running into a, a, a Chiefs player. Yes. So, so um, uh, well well done, Brett. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Good job. I ruined it again. That's it. You're supposed to make guests feel at way, home. Way to be there. No, so, it's, uh, it's all yeah. good. Jeff, let's get into some college football and, and have a little fun here. Um, yes. We had, uh, last week, we, we talked plenty of college football did a little well, Michigan while our guest was you. at Disneyland. If we felt um, bad about that, yep. He, uh, well, he's he said he's going to join us again, so we'll be talking college football with John Jansen in the coming weeks. And if you if you haven't had a chance, you should check out his In the Trenches podcast because it's it is really he good. is entertaining. Yeah. But we the college football playoff rankings came out after we talked. Uh, Alabama one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three, LSU four. Sort of like people thought the the losses of Texas and Florida sort of took them out of it. Can I make you a bet right now? Sure. That those four will not be the same four next week? Well, that's easy because Alabama <laughs> plays LSU. Look, I'm a sucker, but I'm not taking that sucker's bet. But let's go into Alabama yeah. LSU because you're talking about a game with huge implications. Tell me a little bit about what we got. Alabama has one of the best offenses in college football. Tua I mean, is unbelievable. Uh, he, he really is. I mean, they had a good quarterback before in Jalen Hurt who was, who was not really – as good a passer, he was a much better runner. Tua is the complete p- 
package. Without a I doubt. Mean, he is really good. And they're averaging 564 yards of offense, which is only second in the nation to Houston, which is... I love, know, the, I love how you noted that the defense is having a down year and they're still ranked 16th <laughs> in college football. Yeah, they're only giving up 308 yards a game, and, and this is a down year for them. And LSU, they keep touting that their defense is, is their, their brand right now, and their defense is lower ranked than Alabama. I'll just say I'd be surprised if LSU wins. I, I don't see how many teams stop Alabama this season with what they've got. Oh, well, I know one that I think can, but well, you think that's, Michigan that's just can me being biased. You're a homer. And, yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> but uh, so but, your but, prediction? Uh, I say 30, 37-31 Bama. I just think that, I mean, I think it will still be close because this is such a rivalry game. And for some reason, rivalry games, no matter how good or bad a team is, Somehow they just seem to play close. I've got a 34-20. I just think Alabama's too much for LSU when it comes down to it. I don't know what LSU is going to do against that defense. We'll see, though. You know, nothing in college football surprises me this year. Every time you think you know what's going on, um, you really don't have much of a clue what's going on in college football. Michigan-Penn State. Uh, you might be watching this game, right, Jeff? Am I going to get a bunch of text messages? You are darn tootin' I'll be watching this am, game. Am I going to get a lot of text messages with your Insta reactions and no. overreactions? Uh, I'm not a big like texter during the games. And are I'm you a nervous of, watcher? I am a nervous watcher. Because I, I have a friend I who's a, like a fatalist. When there's a bad play, he's he's like, oh, it's over. The game's done. Are you that guy? Or do you like ride I'm the roller close. coaster? I have one of those foam bricks to throw at the TV and stuff like that. Um, I am a... A lone watcher. I can watch with my son because he also appreciates because he's the, also the an alone watcher. Yes, right. <laughs> um, I will communicate with my my college buddies about the game at certain times, but I need that. I need to be able to breathe. So, I do my to, text messages during the game interrupt your flow of being to yourself? So far, they haven't. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how I do tomorrow. I, I, <laughs> I, I would like you to ensure that um, not. This week, but next Saturday, that you you and I will be texting about Michigan Rutgers football. Well, you'll be texting. I'll be texting I won't from have the very game. Much to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's Rutgers. We'll get to them in a second because come on, it's at Rutgers. All that requires for Rutgers to be talked about is one. It second. is the birthplace of football. It also seems where it's dying. Well, right that was now. that was what John said. <laughs> so. So Michigan, Penn State. So, so I'm about to make the Penn State people feel a little bit better. You're going to pick Penn State? Sarcasm. Michigan has the best defense by almost all measurables. They're only giving up 220 yards total per game. That's running and passing combined. The second closest team is 40 yards, giving up 40 more yards per game. Um, Penn State does have a good rushing offense per game. They're 25th in the nation. Uh, the problem is, is that Michigan's rushing defense is ninth in the nation. Could you just get it over with and pick Michigan? Don't read me Penn State stats. Don't act you want like me you're to? trying okay. to. Okay, well, it's at Ann Arbor. So you, it's part of the, if you know, Chase Winovich is now calling this the revenge tour. So um, they did it against Michigan State, and now it's Penn State. I think the score will be 31-17, and then the last will be against Ohio State. I think it'll be a little closer, uh, 23-16. I just, uh, Penn State doesn't have the guns, I don't think, uh, but I still have questions about how Harbaugh's... 16. How do you get 16? Well, I guess that's three field goals and a touchdown. Huh? That's a weird number. I think that Penn State's going to be able to move the ball a little bit, but I think they're going to have a hard time in the red zone. They're going to settle for some field goals. McSorley, is, he, he really is good. But Penn, to me, that's not the offense isn't going to be the biggest problem. It's the defense stopping Penn State, Michigan. which is a you know always known as the you know linebacker you. Is is really having a rough time on defense. But you asked there. last week about John to John about the play calling. Yeah, that's for Michigan, what and that's what you know when it gets if it gets tight, 
what's Harbaugh going to do with his quarterback in it, that it, game? If you if you don't need to text me to know this, you don't need to have a camera on me, I can tell you right now that if we get to the fourth quarter and the game's within seven to ten points and Harbaugh runs on first down... Are going to be in like a paper bag hyperventilating? Everyone in the Delaware Valley can just picture me screaming at the television set on All first right. down running for two yards. We're going to let you keep that fandom to yourself. Yeah. A little Georgia-Kentucky. Kentucky is having a Cinderella season, has the yeah. chance to win the SEC just so, East. Just so we're clear, we're not talking about Kentucky basketball. No, we're, we're talking about Kentucky football. And, and look, football. it goes to show you patience with a team because they kept their coach. Well, he is a stoops. I mean, it, it's not like they. But how many teams after four bad seasons? Right. I mean, there's turnover. That's what happens in this league. Right. And they kept that continuity, and it's playing off, paying off this season. They got a big game against Georgia on Saturday. All right, well, I think it's my heart that has me picking them, but I am going to pick them 26-21. I just think it's a great story going so, on. So I agree with you it's a great story, but I'm but, about to throw a little water on your on your blanket. Okay. Uh, is the reason that a school like Kentucky is keeping a coach longer than a, than a you know Power 5 top team is, is because – they're not used to winning, so they can afford to be patient. Kentucky's football program, there's no expectations, right? So so they can hold on to a stoop because they're not going to do much better than getting you know, somebody in the stoop's bloodline as their coach. So it's a smart move on their, on their part. That being said, I do think they're going to pull, pull an upset here and win 31-27. Some other big games. Anything noteworthy? West Virginia's playing Texas. Texas coming off a tough loss last week. You think they bounce back? No. I no. think West Virginia wins this game. Uh, Clemson, Louisville. Clemson looking to stay at number two. Clemson Louis- is not losing they're gonna, until they get they're to gonna the They're going to roll over Louisville. Four. And yeah. Notre Dame looking to stay at number three. Has a tough matchup going into Northwestern. They're having a good season. I but have no credibility You're here. picking Northwestern for yeah, some well, reason. I, I can't. Just contrarian, Jeff. You just can't pick a Notre, Notre Dame, Dame guy. But, but, but the one thing I will say about this is, and I know Notre Dame beat Michigan, so you can be quiet now. But actually, um, the fun thing was, so yeah. it'll move into our, our Sixer segment when we right. get there in the Blue Coats. We talked to a couple Notre Dame guys the other day and an Ohio State guy at the Blue Coats Media Day. And they day. booed me. They booed you That's for right. being a Michigan guy. But they guy. were still nice. They were respectful, yes. but they booed that man. And that I, may I have was, had to, It may have had to do with me bringing candy, by the way. I, I will get it, to that that in a second right, but, but i was highly entertained by you being booed by basketball players. but but i will tell you before we go off of this northwestern notre dame game is that usually this game is played in soldier field this year i believe it's actually be playing on the campus and i think Different that's atmosphere go- yeah i think that makes a, a huge difference it's the same thing by the way that when we get to college basketball next week michigan's playing villanova and Villanova, instead of saying they could easily sell out the Wells Fargo Center for this game, and instead they're playing it at, at their renovated field, field house. And, and, and I, I think love the those atmospheres. Is, yeah, and I, th- I think that is going to change the dynamic of what this game usually is in Chicago. So. Let's talk some local college football last night. Tough loss for Temple last night. That was a shootout against UCF. I know there's no participation trophies. But <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. There are participation trophies. Did did you did you not see what UCF did last year? Yes, I know they created okay. their own trophy. But yeah. um, look, Temple's now five and four, <laughs> but they played a dynamite game in that first half. They had four hundred and forty-five yards. It was something Temple, to see. Temple is uh, the real deal. It, it's a good team. It's you know it's not a, right now a top twenty-five team, but they are they're building a program. And if Coach Collins stays, which I hope he does, 
I think that that program is going to develop into a top 25 program. They have everything in place and all you need to do, you know, one of the things is recruiting and you got the coach that can recruit and you now have the facilities that can recruit because uh, you and I spent time over at their facility. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. So they, they have all the pieces in place to do it. And now it's just a matter of sticking with the program or right. trusting the process. Uh, Jeff, I have exciting news for Rucker Sands. They did not lose last week. <laughs> then again, they did not play last week. Are you week. sure? <laughs> <laughs> they will lose this week. Did they play a scrimmage? They did, did not like play. Red? Did Scarlet lose I, the Black? I don't I even want to. They had bad headlines coming out in a week <laughs> that they didn't even play, dismissing people off the team for very serious reasons. It's not going well on the banks of the Raritan. Hey, look. They should look at the positive, which is they weren't the most embarrassed football program in the Big Ten this week, right? Who was that? Maryland. Yes. Let, can we? All right. I don't even want to make jokes about this. Okay. Um, what the hell are they doing at Maryland? I, I think what the University of Maryland football program and more importantly, the regents um, who should be there to be a check and a balance on any athletic program did or didn't do this week is embarrassing. For our listeners who don't know, uh, the coach, Durkin, um, was suspended while they were reviewing, and they tried to reinstate him well, well, for you, a day. But you left out it. For, for those that don't know the whole story, he was suspended because one of his players died. died. Yes. It's not like it was from, a minor infraction. Yeah. Apparently from heat stroke, which could possibly, what they're saying is, could have been stopped had, had people... Noticed it yes. and treated him. And apparently, again, this is an allegation, is that, de- that the coach was the, kind of fostered an abusive program. And for some reason, after a couple months of looking into this, and, and you know, I, I heard the family on ESPN and other, other places um, hearing the devastating story of their son dying on, on the football field, uh, they chose, the regents decided to force the president to reinstate the coach who then resigned yeah because he wouldn't do it the right. president um i think he was planning on retiring at the end of the year because of this whole debacle to begin with but you have to ask yourself what are you thinking now i'll i'll look at it from two places i'll look at it from a parent of some of a kid who's currently looking at colleges which i am and as a lawyer now from the lawyer perspective if i'm representing the university of maryland i'm going Guys, you have you have a wrongful death suit on your hands. Is it really a good idea to reinstate this guy? The answer is no. The second thing is is I my kid had some interest in going to the University of Maryland and looking at it. I would not let my kid go. My kid's not playing football, but if, if the regents, the people who the board of regents that is running the school, doesn't understand the importance of student safety. Not just student athletes, student safety. I don't want my kid there. So they tried to reinstate him. Right. That lasted for a day. 24 hours about, yeah. Public pressure, not surprisingly. From the athletes. From, from the, the athletes. They were going to have protests this weekend outside the stadium. He is now out as coach and member of the Board of Regents, resigned yesterday. Yes. Will that be the end of this story? Uh, well, I think it will be the end of the story. I think the lawsuit still goes on, I'm assuming. Um, and if, again, as a, if I were a parent whose child went to the University of Maryland, I wouldn't be happy until every regent who voted to reinstate D.J. Durgan 
step down. I then I'll feel. I have to say, I think that the university lost focus of the fact that one of their students died, and focused on the starry nature of a football program, and I think that's really unfortunate. And that happens when you have all this money and everything that goes on around it, but. Ultimately, their mission is they have to protect their students. One, and they didn't one, do that. One other thing, I don't, I, I don't know if you watch real sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had they had a segment a couple weeks ago about the the growth and importance of of these tr- these strength and conditioning coaches and the danger of them becoming such an important element of especially football programs and, and pushing these student athletes beyond where they should be pushing them without safety precautions. It's a, it's a fascinating story. If you get a chance, you should take a look at it, but it really is eye opening as to how we have to have this check and balance on especially football programs. Well, we uh, will definitely keep watching what Maryland does and uh, be watching some football this weekend. I'm sure I'll get some text messages from you both about Michigan and about Rutgers. Anxiously look forward to both of them. Not. <laughs> um, tell me where, little... where, do you, where do you find the Rutgers score? Uh, uh, the best part <laughs> is uh, ESPN sends me score alerts. Yeah. So when they're getting beat like 50 to nothing, yeah. my whole phone is score alerts of somebody scoring against Why do you, you turn them, them off? I don't know. I think I've just, I torture myself. Isn't that rather sadistic? It is. <laughs> and I've thought about it. And yet I still let it come up. I don't have a good answer, uh, but I still get the Like alerts. if it just started dinging, like, like, did you have those score alerts on when they lost 78 nothing? Yes. I told you about that. It was terrible. My phone. How did you not break your phone in half? Carefully. <laughs> Carefully. <laughs> The same reason you didn't know how to turn let's, off the score alert. Let's go from one happy subject to another yeah. frustrating team, the Flyers. <laughs> Two-game win streak, Jeff, with the Flyers. Woohoo! Are they turning a corner? I'm going to ask you this about every Philadelphia team now going forward. Okay. Are the Flyers turning the corner from their difficult start? Mm, I don't think so. No, I mean, op- I, I, no I, optimism I, on Camp Jeff? A, a, t- a two-game win streak against two garbage teams right now does not make uh, a happy Jeff. <laughs> or happy gritty for that matter. I, I mean, uh, they, like just just so we're clear, the Flyers have the third worst record in the Metro Division, and they're only one point behind the Rangers, who've played three less games. I mean, the Rangers who played the same amount of games, and the Devils who played three less games. They have the worst, the third worst point differential in the entire NHL. And if you want, if you did feel good for any reason about last night's win against the Kings. Just know that the Kings had the worst point different differential in the entire NHL. Aren't you just Captain Optimism this afternoon? No, you, you, I mean, who you play and who you beat matters. Two wins is a start. It does start to build momentum. But this team is very odd in that they seem to play better, at least in the early going, on the road than they do in their own building. So basically they're the opposite of the Eagles. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, the, the and the Sixers, by the way. The Sixers still haven't won a, a yeah, and, road game. And the Phillies. So, uh, so, but not playing well at home makes no sense to they'll, me. They'll have a good test tomorrow night out on the West Coast, play San Jose, definitely a cup contender out there. So we'll see what this team is doing. I'm not going to spend too much time making you torture talking about the Flyers. But I am going to move you to the Sixers, Jeff. Yeah. Um, okay, so it was a week of odd ends because you had the Saturday game. Mm-hmm. That they won. You yeah. had the Detroit game, or the this week was the uh, the Toronto game, mm-hmm. where they weren't even in it no. for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Toronto's really good. They are really good, and that's the problem. Is if you look at the East, mm-hmm. are the Sixers beating Boston, Milwaukee, or Toronto? 
they might be able to beat Milwaukee. That's that's um, that's what I'm comparing them to right now. You know, you're watching them play. They beat the Clippers last night. Weird game. Went up really big in the second quarter. In the quarter, second quarter, and then all of a sudden. Lost the whole thing in the third quarter. Yeah. That you got Markel Fultz coming in as a spark at the end of the third quarter. Just a really odd game. Yeah, and J.J. had an off game shooting until the fourth quarter, too. But JoJo didn't. No. <laughs> JoJo was a man He, he went to town night. on them. I mean, it was he dominated. 41 um, points. Just they, He forced them to make player changes to try and guard him throughout that game. That right. was what you want to see. But, he but, took a couple three-pointers, but it was in the context of the game, and he wasn't being pulled away from under the basket. He was dominant under the basket. Oh, if he stays under the basket all the time, there's nobody in the league that can guard him. And, and he and he could swat away shots all day, and even if, he, even if he's not swatting away shots, he's altering their game plan to come into the middle. The problem is, is that Joel likes to play point guard so or shooting guard. So it's hard to keep him down there, and Brett Brown likes it when he goes out there because, quite frankly, as we've heard at practice, it, he's one of the better three-point shooters on the team. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad well, thing. Well, it's it's good and it's bad. Thing. I'm glad he's a good three-point shooter, and he is, and it and it the the building gets ex, you know it blows up when he hits a three-pointer, but it the, blows up when he has a sick dunk too. Yes, or a nice swat. Away. Well, he, so, I mean, he, he really he is electric. I mean, you don't see he's many a game changer. How many big men are elected? I'm not saying great because there have been lots of great big men, but how many people that size are elected? It's usually the guards that are the ones that are the show, and you know, because they, they were talking about that with sneaker contracts. Is that for the most part, shoe contracts go to the shooting guards and the smaller guys. Very few big men are the ones that sell shoes, and and Embiid seems to be because of his personality, because of the way he plays the game, and, and because of his talent, he, he can be that changing factor. The problem is you don't have any other big men on this team. Yeah, I know. That's your constant. Around him. You're right, and that's the constant thing. But you know who did uh, make a little bit of an impact this week? Landry Shamit. Starting to find a little role in this team with Wilson Chandler not back yet. Mm-hmm. Um, played 23 minutes last night, scored 13 points, was on the court with Simmons and Redick at times, and looked like he fit there. And, and he looked confident because when he when the first couple games, it was him shooting spot-up three-pointers. Now he's slashing. Now the, he's he's taking the ball the, to the hole as well. The interesting thing is they can run a lot of the plays they run for J.J. Redick for him. He can right. shoot off the, the dribble like that and really not have to be set as much. Although, you know, and, and I've said this before, but is there a single game you don't, there isn't some shot that J.J. Redick makes that you don't just shake your head? I saw your tweet about that. No, it's he throws things up me. that just, you're like, how's that going to go in? Let's uh, we'll keep watching the Sixers. They have a matinee tomorrow against the Pistons. Jeff, you going to the game? I am not going. Tomorrow. You're not going I'm to the going game. next Friday. You'll be prepping for your Michigan football game. That's right. Getting mentally ready mm-hmm. for what's going on. Uh, we were, and then getting ready because we got blue coats on Sunday. That's right. Actually, they're on Saturday. Right. They kick their season off uh, two p.m. on Saturday against the Raptors G League team. Uh, you can catch the nine oh five. That made I had to figure that out. Raptors nine oh five. Yeah. Um, you can catch that game right here on 610 ESPN. Sunday will be on 610 ESPN, but you can also catch it on NBA TV against the main Red Claws. So if which you want to see... Which is the Celtics. Which if you want to see some of these these players, if you if you want to see Jackson, if you want to see Shake Milton and some of the guys that, that the Sixers hope will be up here eventually with the big team, 
capture opportunity to see him. We had a great time the other day at their media day in Delaware. Some really fun personalities on this team. Uh, I have to say it was it was totally different than I expected. That it is it's a fun group of guys. Now, when I've seen the, some of these guys at practice, they're much more serious. Even when you t- like we talked to Shake off to the side at, at at Sixers practice, and he was very serious. And these guys were it was a, it was at the Children's Museum in Wilmington, so it was it was a great setting. Kids and we brought come, and we brought candy, and we did bring candy, which definitely helped. Everybody was into the candy. It, it just shows you it doesn't matter how it was old, Halloween. You, it doesn't matter how old you are. You like candy. You you put a bucket of candy in front of people. If you check our our um, our Twitter account, you'll see Matt Farrell uh, was was in there trying to figure out which candy he wanted. Norvell Pell had his face in there. He loved it. Nor- Norvell, just just for everybody, try to pit envision there. Th- it's us interviewing three guys at once, and Norvell has literally his face over the giant pumpkin bowl. It was wonderful. Just- <laughs> <laughs> it was wonderful. And you can you'll be able to hear our interviews with some of those Sixers from Media Day and sort of a breakdown of the blue coats and what's going on in the G League with our new show that starts this coming Thursday night. Jeff the Regiment here on six ten ESPN six. I know, working we're working out all the kinks. Look at you. Yep. Look at you, basketball guy. I know. You brought a midget like me along with you to do this. See show. And, and by the way, just <laughs> I'm so glad that this gets taped as well. So, so that I've never proof. claimed to be tall. No, I no. would just like to point that no, out. No, because what will happen is in a couple weeks, it will then be turned around that Jeff made a comment about height. Well, no, you do make comments about no, height. No, 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 Those no. are factual statements. All uh, right. I recognize that, that height is not something that I was blessed with. <laughs> yeah, it it was it was funny when we because we were <laughs> we're there and you're around all these basketball players and I'm going these are my people I've never I'm six four so shorter <laughs> in my life I don't think uh, but you can hear I'm like finally people I can look at in the eye ah <laughs> uh, see and there we go no I didn't make that comment you made that comment Jeff so let's let's go a little bit uh, Eagles were in London last week on a bye week this week yeah uh, four and four now big win against the Jaguars everything's Great, right? Golden Tate trade. I mean, look, last week wait, you were so, pushing wait, me. So before we get to the Golden Tate, all you English, have, what were you saying? I Spit know. it out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what happened. But for weeks we've been talking, what do the Eagles need? And I keep saying running back, and you go, no, no, we need defensive backs. I wanted a defensive back. And so instead we got Golden Tate. I'm very Are happy. Are you happy? With, yes. I am happy. Really? Yes. This is going to solve their problem. No, I didn't oh, say okay. that. Right. I said I'm happy. Well, but every time I bring up not, the running back, you keep saying that's not going to solve their I problem. I didn't think that LaShawn McCoy was the answer. I don't think any running backs can be the answer. I don't think that Golden Tate's necessarily the answer. But what Golden Tate is, is another target for Wentz and a possession receiver. Because if you're not fixing the defense, then you need to score more points. And what you need to do is give him more weapons. So now you've got Alshon Jeffrey out there. Jeff, don't shake your head at me. Do not shake your head at me. I wanted a defensive back. No, I'm not just shaking my head at you. I have my head in my hands because you're sitting there saying that Golden Tate is a partial answer because he gives another receiver. LaShawn McCoy was a very good receiver out of the backfield, right? I I didn't want McCoy. It was, it was okay, just, so it was a McCoy thing. Yes. It wasn't it wasn't I made that very clear. Okay. It wasn't about not wanting a running back. Like mm-hmm. I, as much as I didn't like what Le'Veon Bell did, I would have 
gone for Le'Veon Bell if the price was right. I didn't want McCoy coming back because he gets injured, he carries the ball loosely, and he sulks when he's not doing well, plus all the other stories that go on around him. Right. So while he knew so, the system, so he, I just didn't think he'd be good to come so back. So I'm going to put on my skeptical hat now, sure. okay, and, and ask this question, and I don't know the answer to it, uh, so I just want to make this clear. I'm just worried about the following. The Lions, who never make the playoffs, are in playoff contention. Golden Tate's on the team. Matt Stafford's doing well. And for some reason, they traded Golden Tate. Because they're going to lose him at the end of the season. Because they're going to lose him at the end of the season. So they try to get a third-round pick for him. They've got another wide receiver in Galladay that they want to play out there. He's not getting time. You've got a veteran receiver who's aging. He's 30 years old, so he's not that old for a team like the Eagles. But for the Lions... There's got to be something more to it. Everything that that you saw coming out of Detroit was that people were not happy with that move that Detroit made right the fans the broadcasters Stafford. the players so nobody what, was happy it, it can't with be that. that they just wanted a draft pick because they're going to lose him at the end uh, of the look, season i'm just There's gonna gotta be i'm just gonna to thank it. howie for getting it and okay. the thing look he also seems like a d- good dude we talk about what the players do yeah but He's, they got plenty of good dudes I, no I, that's not look that's separate from the play on the field okay he's mm-hmm. another guy in this locker room right that's going to be good for the culture of the team but they didn't have. That I didn't problem. think that McCoy would. Oh, I think that culture is very important when you're going through tough times and you got to get in this. Yeah, but together. they had enough of those guys. I don't think they did. I really, really don't. No, I don't. I don't think that they did. I think that they have a very different atmosphere this year in there, and you, you've seen frustration from some of the players on the team. You, I mean, you, I see frustration more from Doug Peterson than anybody else. Yeah, well, Doug's and, and, under and so, a lot of pressure. Why? I'm not excusing him. He's putting himself under a lot of pressure. Why? Because he's trying to act like a Super Bowl coach, whatever he thinks that is, rather than just being well, Doug see, Peterson. That, that's Eagles coach. my frustration. Uh, does he? Does he under? Does he think that a Super Bowl po- coach needs to act like Bill Belichick? What made Doug Peterson Doug Peterson, and the reason the city liked him so much wasn't just because of him being a, a cowboy and willing to take a risk. I don't mean being a Dallas cowboy, but being a guy that was willing to take a risk and also being a good guy. Why, after you win the Super Bowl, does it become you're cranky in week one because because you don't know when Carson well, Wentz is coming back? And then you start losing. making... Because yeah, but, they were losing. But the, but and they the, were making bad plays, and they were a sloppy team. Okay, but the, when... I'm not excusing it. I'm just telling when you. When do you show... When, when do people really find out when your character what your character is? It's in tough times. And, and I think that Doug Peterson has a great character, but he has not shown it lately. Well, look, you're going to have to see how the season plays out now, whether he, he turns that around as well. They're going to come back next week. They're get they're going to have a week off to get healthy. Dallas plays this Monday night against Tennessee before they play the Eagles next week. Well, I don't Sunday know how many night. people are getting healthy at this point. That's the other thing well, that worries me. Tim Jernigan you, may come back after the break. Right. Darren Sproles, they still seem to say he's going to come back at some point. I don't know how they're going to use him, but it's the longest hamstring, you know, going to Yeah, but week. well, it's also Darren Sproles is an older player and hamstrings take longer to heal if they ever do when you're at at his age at this point and he's got that many miles on him. What what worries me is that even when Darren Sproles come back comes back, where is his strength and that's going to the outside, right? So now you I ha- actually think they're going to use him more in in particular spots and as a kick returner. I okay. I think that well, okay, but uh, I think they're going to try and work Josh Adams into the rotation more after last week, which he's run the ball well as long as he can hold on to it. Um, they keep giving Wendell Smallwood the most calorie uh, carries, but 
he keeps missing blitz, blitz pickups. If you look at when Carson Wentz, I think is being that calories up, comment had to do with uh, with Halloween. Candy. If you look at when Carson Wentz gets blown up, yeah. a lot of times it's not on the offensive line; it's on the missed blitz pickup by the running. Okay, back. Okay, but, but but back to my my offense point. Let's assume that they're also going to use him on offense. The problem that the Eagles are now going to have is they are not going to be able to run to the the edges if Lane Johnson's going to be out for another month and hopefully come back healthy and. And Jason Peters is basically playing on his big toe at this point. I mean, e- every part of his body is falling apart. We will see what this team does. Jeff, we've got three minutes before I go, and mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. Uh, uh, free agency is going to start in Major League Baseball. There has been a lot of Tomorrow. talk in this offseason about Manny Machado, about Bryce Harper, Paul Goldschmidt, Clayton mm-hmm. Kershaw. What is the Jeff Cohen free agency is open playbook? What I would do if yes. I were the general manager, I would role. not sign any of these free agents, and I would immediately spend my time in the winter meetings taking the the general manager and everybody else in the Angels organization out to dinner, out for drinks, and trying to convince them that they can have any four players on our team other than Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola for Mike Trout. Do you believe and that next that year's is, first? Do you believe pack. that that is realistic? I don't think that the Phillies would do that. I think that the Angels would. All right. So it, that would include Sixto Sanchez. So that I'm, would include anybody. I'm going to run through some of these players because it seems like the Phillies are having second thoughts on Manny Machado. Everybody is. Yeah. After, I, I think he'll still get a lot of money, by the He's an incredibly he's, talented player. And if he's you're 26 looking off years 300 old. and something million dollars, he's not getting a 300 something million dollar contract anymore. You know, and Keith Law said it again today that he thought that he was going to get it. I don't know who's going to give him 10 years. And he's only 26, which is, which, and so is Bryce Harper, by the way. He seems like Bryce Harper's been around forever. They're both 26 years old. So, so Bryce Harper, do you make a play for him? No. No, no. Uh, I mean, my concern with Bryce Will Harper is... Will the Phillies is, make a play for him? I don't think so, for two reasons. One, because of the the dominance of the shift now, and it's been proven this year that he hits. he's a pull hitter, and he's hitting into the shift. And second, if you look at the advanced metrics, which is what all these teams are using now, his defensive ma- advanced met- metrics for center field are not good. So I'm not sure how that... So are you making any break. moves this offseason if you can't get my Yes. Uh, well, I, I think that they need to make trades. I think there are if you look at the top fifty players that are available this year, there are not a bunch of guys that you want to spend a ton of money on. So you think they're gonna be more there active in the trade market than you are the free agent signing market? I, I think that's the better move is to go that way. You think that'd be better in the long run for the team? Yeah. And and by the way, before we go, we, I would be remiss in not pointing out that that one of the Phillies teams that we've covered for the whole season, which was the Reading Fightins, that that they actually won an award for community service for the entire minor league baseball. That's and, impressive. And, and, and I think that's impressive, and they deserve kudos. I think Lehigh that. Valley won an award, too, for their LeBron James marketing campaign. So <laughs> not quite the charitable and effort. They, and they had some great hitting on Media Day. They did. Yeah. Uh, we did our part. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us this week. Jeff, I'm going to let you have that as the last word. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.